Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brain to Matter. Sleep is super important, and some of us don't get enough of it. Today, I'm speaking to Ashan Vibana and Alex Young from the Snooze Strategist podcast. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks, OG. Thanks for having us. So first, to start off with, uh, Ashan, you're an actual sleep scientist. Can you give us a little bit about your background and let us know how you got into studying sleep science? Yeah, um, I used to work as a sleep scientist for about um, almost 10 years in both public and private health. Um, before that, uh, I guess my background, I'm coming from science. I studied biomedical science um, and then... I actually accidentally got into sleep medicine and I found a job, at, I guess, just like every grad. And um, when I got there, I, I really kind of fell in love with it. And then um, I invested myself to study sleep medicine. Um, and while working and seeing a lot of different people, I real, realized actually there's so much to learn about sleep because I've never heard of sleep or sleep medicine before going into that job and while doing that i realized it's it's a, it's a there's so much you can learn and apply in your daily life so um over the years i f yeah fell in love with it and but over time i just gradually focused more on different roles but i think sleep still plays a bigger role in what we do here and and alex can you tell us a little bit about your background and what prompted your interest in sleep science Sure. So uh, my background's in um, technology. So I've always been in, uh, well, I started off in software development, working for Nokia and sort of moved around to uh, the areas of uh, being on the telco side. So working in uh, um, Telstra or Optus or Starhub in Singapore. Um, so my background's come from that world of ringtones, wallpapers, and then shifted towards doing startup work. So running my own startup of uh, worked on three, had one exit, and then shifted into corporate world. Um, and through that journey, I've I've experienced both uh, uh, great stress, extreme stress from a startup perspective, startup founder perspective, um, as well as uh, having experienced what happens with the habits that you develop as a founder once you hit corporate. Um, and the impact wasn't nice. And uh, uh, I've had my own experiences with sleep and the lack of sleep. And uh, Ash and I sort of uh, crossed paths as part of a mentoring program. And I've learned a lot from him re regarding health, regarding sleep and its impact on health that I've never before known. So this has been a bit of a foray in partnership in, into not only my learning and understanding, but also um, I thought this is incredible. We, we should all be taught more about the science of sleep and just how critical it is. Um, because there's there's so much that we 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 aren't taught, um, and sleep is the other half of your life that we don't spend a lot of time preparing or managing for. Yet it's you know a good portion of your life. Well, why wouldn't you put more time and effort into getting the best uh, outcome as possible when it comes to sleep? Thanks for that, Alex. And um, actually, uh, Alex was talking about you know the study of the uh, sleep there what is sleep science if you wanted to define it um wh what is it that you actually study and what problems are we trying to solve 
Yep. So the sleep science is a bit different to what it actually sounds like. So the sleep science or sleep medicine um, is has got two portions. One is understanding what's happening during the night or when you actually sleep. So a large portion of that uh, is studying EEG, electroencephalograms, uh, to understand the brain activity, different brain waves, uh, why there are changes, if there are any changes. And the other portion is the least known part, the daytime activity, because you sleep, yeah, that's fine, but the actual impact is happening during daytime. So that's where alertness, fatigue, daytime fatigue, um, and ability to focus comes in. So you look into, if you're constantly sleepy during the daytime, that means there's something wrong with your sleep. Uh, so you link back a lot of the daytime behaviors to your overnight sleep. Um, unfortunately, in mainly in Australia and some, like I think it is changing in US a bit now. Unfortunately, sleep science, sleep medicine, always look into problem solve the clinical issues. So biggest portion of that is uh, obstructive sleep apnea. You probably have heard of it. People slop, uh, stop mm -hmm. uh, breathing during the night. Um, so that's the biggest chunk uh, of the sleep medicine. If you study sleep medicine, you try to understand that portion, the breathing respiratory aspect of things. So that's all things um, like CPAP machines and so on. Yeah, correct. Um, CPAP machines and and mainly to kind of differentiate different types of uh, sleep apnea, like your central sleep apnea. What does that mean? Because sleep itself is incredibly a, a younger part of medicine itself. Like you, it's relatively new. Like CPAP sleep apnea got mainstream maybe late nineties when. Um, Professor Sullivan from Sydney kind of invented the machine itself. So it's relatively young compared to a lot of the other areas. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, focus is fixing the clinical sleep issues, your obstructive sleep apnea, your insomnias, and daytime, uh, excessive daytime sleepiness. Um, what we are trying to actually do that in a different way, how can healthy people be uh, healthier or increase their quality of life by improving their sleep overnight? I think that's the narrative now. Some of the, I think, some of the U.S. companies bringing in their devices, wearable devices, and try to, I guess, encourage that path, um, and having discussions around there. Healthy people be healthier and more productive uh, using a good night's sleep. Right, so I'll um, ask you this question first, Alex, and then we'll get the scientist view on it from yeah. from Ashen. <laughs> So for, for you, what makes a good sleep? So you, you mentioned that you had a lot of stress in your startup world. So how did you resolve some of those things and, and helped yourself get get a good night's sleep? Um, it certainly wasn't one thing, but it was definitely a range of things. And it wasn't the... Uh, Ashton will probably say, Alex, just get a good eight-hour sleep. It's as simple as that. And it probably is as simple as that, but then... Between getting to that point and where you are today are a whole lot of either mental, physical or family sort of things to consider. So um, something we've talked about is we, we don't, you know, you're not always on your own in the house. But um, for me, it was a case of uh, getting a work-life balance and recognising the need for that, but also um, uh, I guess the first step is really awareness of what's what are you doing that, is bad that that's impeding good sleep and that may be 
for me, phone, having your phone next to your, your desk. It's about um, having your computer next to your, your bedside table, um, working too late at night, um, and then also learning to journal. And if you go to sleep with the stresses of the day, somebody said this to me, I didn't like it. And you're going to ruminate on that all night. So I took up journaling and started to write down, here's what happened, here's what I felt, and here's what I did, uh, very simply. And, and that was great to just get it off my chest and then I, I could sleep. Um, so it was a number of things that I had to put in place, whether it was habits, um, whether it was uh, a little bit of exercise or a balance between both of those things. Um, it wasn't easy, uh, partly because if I take a few steps back, it was, I think part of the, the challenge was stress also meant finding a solution. As, in, as Ashen said earlier, you, you, you aim for the symptoms. So I took some sleeping pills and you take them and then you take them again until that packet runs out and then you go, actually, this isn't a good thing. I'm now stuck on having to take this thing to solve for that thing, which doesn't solve the real problem. Um, but then it's also recognizing what are the bad habits. So I said before, recognizing and having an awareness of the bad habits you've got, such as um, responding to your boss's emails or SMSs at any time of the day or night. It's not a healthy thing. It sounds logical that it's not healthy, but when it's the norm in the workplace, you do it. You don't have to do it, but you want to conform, so you do it. And then you do all sorts of other things that all lead to a point where you go, actually, I can't sleep. I can't stop thinking. I'm starting to get defensive. I can't, I'm, are you constantly on edge because you want to perform well? Um, so yeah, it was a number of things that had to change. They're all lifestyle related. They weren't magic and they didn't require any medication. I think it's just about awareness and balance in those habits. Following on from that, Ashen, um, from your scientific perspective, what makes for a good sleep? Um, so I think first step when it comes to sleep, the, the what the doctors or scientists talk about is your respiratory aspect. So you must not stop breathing or they're having some sort of breathing related issue during the night um, more than five times. So when we look at your breathing, you, you should, ha should have stable breathing. Um, otherwise, if you have some abnormality, it should only happen about five times throughout that whole chunk of period. The other, other thing is the time uh, you turn off the light to time you turn on the light in the morning, if you score that in a, like a, if you quantify that, 85% of the time you must stay uh, mm -hmm. asleep. It sounds simple, but unfortunately for a lot of people with sleeping issues, that varies a lot. So if you quantify that time period, uh, more than 85% of the time you are asleep, that's uh, one of the good sleep uh, episodes, I guess. The other thing uh, coming from that kind of sleep uh, respiratory aspect of things, uh, the blood oxygen levels um, and the oxygen levels can drop a bit from awake when you fall asleep because your heart rate slows down, uh, your breathing slows down. Uh, so the, if you measure your oxygenation, it has to uh, stay above, um, I guess, 94% would be a really good, healthy amount of sleep. Um, and the final thing I would say is the movement. So you don't, if you do move a lot during the night, um, that disrupts your sleep. So whether it's you're moving your legs, the whole body or your arms, um, moving has to be quite limited. If you once again quantify that, if it's less than maybe about 15 to 20 times during the 
night. I think that's quite healthy, reasonable time. Alex mentioned the, the total duration of the sleep. It has to be above um, seven hours is acceptable, but I always say eight hours. I think that's a must. And another couple of things that Alex brought up as well, which I wanted to get your response to is, um, there's been people saying you shouldn't have a screen or phone next to you when you want to go to sleep for about an hour before going to sleep. I don't know whether the hour has yeah. got any scientific basis behind it or not, but is there something behind that? Unfortunately, um, most of the things in science are discovered by accidents or came from accidents, right? Uh, so you probably mm -hmm. have experienced that when in your podcast. So um, a lot of the those time limits don't have proper um, evidence to back. Mobile phone or the device usage, the definition or the, or the backing of evidence has changed a lot in the last few years. We used to say, do not use your phone. You won't have a good sleep. Uh, so the blue light, uh, back in the day, we had blue light filters. Now I think automatically a lot of the devices change that. So the science part or the people who are against devices, they come in from the blue light aspect. Um, blue light, the um, what blue light does to you, it stops a hormone called melatonin from producing what melatonin does. It gets your body ready to bed. So that's the whole point of the devices issue, the blue light. But a lot of the newer research are suggesting it's not necessarily the screen, mm. looking at the screen that keeps you awake. It's a, a brain activity because mm. Um, mm. if it's Netflix or whatever you watch, um, I was watching a movie the other day, this like group of Taliban terrorists chasing a US Marine. And even during the night, I was like, oh, I'm glad that he made it through because it was intense. So <laughs> it's not it was. Yeah, it was a necessarily blue color that mental activity, the stimulant is the problem with it. Um, so mm -hmm. that's where I think one of the most vocal voices on this device issue is a scientist called uh, Matt Walker, who published a, a book called Why We Sleep. And in there, he was pretty much like, if you use the devices, you are going to die very soon. It's, it's very extreme end of that view. Um, but lately he came out and said, actually, so I, I got it wrong. A lot of this newer research is suggesting it's a mental activity aspect, not mm -hmm. necessarily blue light. Um, but if you have trouble falling asleep, I do highly encourage you to change uh, or, or get your phone to auto automatically have the night mode or the kind of that warmer color rather than so have a blue color filtration. That that will definitely help. But I, I would tread carefully in that advice I saw on Instagram. Some says three hours, some says one hour, some says two hours. There's not really a lot of evidence on that. But that blue light you're talking about, that's uh, linking to our uh, natural circadian rhythms, is it? Uh, absolutely, that's right. Blue light is not bad. I think that's the other problem uh, with all these narratives. Blue light it has pa is painted as this kind of that evil natural thing that's going to come and change how your body works. But... Blue light, blue light is one of the most powerful natural tools you can find. How it, as you said, it regulates your natural circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm is the almost a body clock, how this rhythm uh, routine works. Um, first thing in the morning, if you can get blue light, um, so that one of the most simplest changes you can make in your day life, get yourself 
about 10 to 15 minutes of blue light first thing in the morning, uh, whether it's going out and get sun or there are a lot of artificial devices. Um, I am I am a bit lazy personally, so I actually have bought a device and I use it first thing in the morning. I don't want to go out in the cold. Um, but yeah, uh, the regulation of um, body clock, it's the one of the most important natural um, uh, kind of workflows in the body. I guess that's also a given lockdown and uh, the COVID pandemic and people being indoors. It's, it, it's advisable then for us to, around lunchtime to go outside and get some sunshine to help with our sleep. I have to say yeah, that, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, Ashton, since you told me that many months ago and the weather here was 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 beautiful early, earlier in the year, now it's freezing cold in the morning, but um, I followed your advice and, and would sit outside um, in the backyard where the, the sun was rising and see, you know, there's hot air balloons in our area that that, that we can see um it was amazing just 15 minutes sometimes I'd, I'd just sit there read a book but be facing the sun and it, it just felt like a wonderful warm awakening in the morning uh, and it was a small thing to do so i think once again it's, it's that habit as well of of getting comfortable with it and, and hopefully the weather allows you to do it otherwise just sitting there in the shivering cold how the body works in the morning usually you need large amount of um, exposure to blue light, so the brightness, the amount of exposure, um, it's not that body is not as sensitive as during the night. So that's where the that's why it's important to stay like longer period of time, um, and ideally not your mobile phone, but the natural sunlight or a device dedicated to produce uh, blue light will will help. At night, your body is not supposed to get light exposure, so your body is actually extremely sensitive to light. That's where the issue with the mobile phones come in, with the blue light, it can sometimes disrupt your sleep. Sleeping pills, so um, we, we know that we don't want people to be on them long term, but for those who are yeah. finding difficulty sleeping, are they actually a good idea? I think most commonly South medical, or one of the pills is melatonin, you probably have heard of it. It's a hormone um, that can help regulate your body's response to sleep basically so it's a timing thing um no it is my kind of simplest answer uh, don't try to get into that part because your body will get used to it um so if you really can't fall asleep there you can try a few different things definitely see a sleep specialist and um get there are newer medications that are highly effective in if it's an insomnia related issue to address that Otherwise, there are a lot of behavioral changes you can do. Um, there's one thing called uh, sleep um, sleep restriction therapy, which is basically, it's good to, I do personally recommend to do that with a clinician or someone who's got experience, not self-trial um, it in your bedroom. Um, so you limit the amount of sleep you get um, for a few nights in a row and build up a sleep debt. Uh, and then you try to uh, release that debt by slowly extending the amount of time you sleep so that kind of almost uh address the homeostatic drive of your body um and try to it, it some f people find it a bit more useful to fall asleep that way um mm -hmm. if the st stress is keeping you up there are safer supplements that you can try rather than uh, popping a lot of the pills because I have seen most of the time uh, GPs would recommend like antidepressants or opiates 
which have a lot of secondary um, issues causing you, whether it's the addiction or you're getting used to it uh, or altering brain waves. So it's you need to tread very carefully in that space. Um, I personally take um, uh, amino acid called L-theanine if I'm quite stressed. Um, usually about 200 milligrams of L-theanine can help you with that anxiety or the stress building up if it's a work uh, thing. So to wind down, that's a great supplement. I usually have about an hour before I go to sleep. Um, I just wanted so, to tap in there to say for the listeners, please seek medical advice before taking anything. Yeah, this is general advice only. You do your own research, but this is just sharing uh, experience. Uh, definitely speak to your GP or a sleep doctor. Uh, the other thing could be magnesium. Magnesium seems, seems to be helping a lot of people to fall asleep. Downside of magnesium, some people's um, gastrointestinal system is sensitive. Um, so you may have experienced some sort of diarrhea if you're not finding the right uh, formula of magnesium. Um, once again, magnesium 3 and 8 seems to be a uh, lot easy on the stomach. Uh, do your own research and make sure you speak to GP before you actually go and buy these things. So, uh, Alex, I just want to come back to some of your experience again. You mentioned um, the techniques you use to get over some of your stress and, and sleep better. Did you incorporate physical exercise or gym into part of that routine as well? Um, a little bit in so far as walking the dog regularly. <laughs> so I, I didn't hit the gym or go riding around or anything like that. I, my, my problem, even up to last year, was um, something similar to what you've mentioned just earlier today, which was that um, um, I, I would I like doing a lot of startup stuff. I like doing lots of side projects. I do have two small children uh, and and so and I'd like gaming. So where do I find the time? And that's Ash, been Ashen's question for a long time. And it's usually been between eight o'clock and midnight when the kids are asleep and there's some quiet time, which has meant that I've been sleeping at midnight or past midnight for who knows how long, decade or more. And I think as you get older, you feel that more. And I felt that during the daytime where my eyesight would be quite blurry. And I'd go and take a nap and then it's like, wow, I can see. It's like having contacts put into your eyes suddenly. Um, but I think uh, what I would be doing was, or the, the main thing for me was less the exercise, but more the go to bed earlier, which I'm still mm. consciously trying to apply discipline to to achieve that to even, even today. Exercise-wise, only because I've started doing the 5 a.m. club where you start, you know, you wake up at 5 a.m. and you do 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of learning, reading, and then 20 minutes of meditation or reflection. That's helped me get into a rhythm of don't worry about hitting the gym and doing a 45-minute hard workout, just incrementally, little bit by little bit, uh, start embedding exercise into your day. And I've already felt the benefit you know, after a week or two. Um, strength is returning to my body. I'm feeling like I can, you know, I'm standing up all day or sitting at the computer. My core, my core body feels firmer. Um, uh, my, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling less tension in my neck and shoulders, which means I don't get headaches as easily. So exercise is a wonderful balance to it. I'd never say I'm a 
gym rat anymore, but um, I think just doing a little bit and creating a, a, a ritual around it, definitely it's, it's been beneficial. So, um, Ashton, how, how much does exercise slash gym and stress have on sleep? Um, stress have an incredible impact on sleep. Um, I think if you are really stressed, whether it's work, family, something else, that will disrupt your sleep, um, mainly because with, when you're stressed, the cortisol levels in the body goes up. And that really stops you from um, having deeper stages of sleep. And on top of that, your arousal rate, uh, we call it in sleep medicine, it's basically um, spikes in your EEG activity that will wake you up for like one to three seconds. These, the rate of those will be quite higher as well. So even though if you get manage to get eight hours of sleep, the quality of the sleep's very poor in that period. Um, where exercise can come in, um, I think a lot of people say, oh, I exercise, I get dopamine release, I can feel it now, awesome, mm -hmm. which is good. But actual mechanism is a bit different, but it's good if, you, if you're stressed, exercise is a great way to do it. Um, and one way I think it can help you a bit, if you do it first thing in the morning, so if you, mm -hmm. uh, I always say wake up, get some sun exposure, and if you do some exercise in the morning, you can release that cortisol um, in the morning by doing the exercise. When you do exercise, your um, adrenaline would go up. That will increase like a, send a pulse of uh, cortisol out. When you release that first thing in the morning, your me mental health wise, um, your, your baseline always up. So your stress tolerance mm -hmm. goes up. Yeah. Um, then you do it at, at night because you're already stressed anyway. So your, mm -hmm. your body have a lot of adrenaline um, cortisol released. Um, and there are some studies showing when you release those cortisol in the second half of the day, uh, the risk of depression goes up as well. So that's where if you can get a cortisol release in the morning, whether it's doing some exercise or even jump into a cold shower to get mm -hmm. your body in that stressful situation, I think that will really impact your stress levels. And stress level, lower stress means you will definitely have a better sleep um so i would recommend to uh, if possible to do it in the morning to get your heart rate up and just to finish off finally with uh one last topic um i know alex mentioned uh you've got a, an apple watch i've i've got a, a garmin watch they measure various different things like uh the amount of sleep you've had your oxygenation levels your heart rate all those sorts of things how accurate are they, Ashton, and should we rely on those? Um, if you ask that question about, I guess, six, seven years ago, I would say no, uh, don't trust them. But I think mm. I have eventually come around. I do think technology has developed so much. So they do a couple of ways to determine the sleep. One, I think, I'm not sure whether you have seen the Aura Ring. It's getting a lot of traction at the moment, especially in U.S., it's basically a ring that goes in your finger and um, similar to what Apple and Garmin does um, use movement and um, heart rate, some of them. Um, so accuracy has gone up because movement alone, it's very hard to get the sleep quality quite accurately. But I think with the when you add the heart rate aspect to it, it seems to be getting a lot better. Uh, I personally still 
biased towards a gold standard uh, EEG, EMG, ECG sort of approach to measure your sleep. But obviously, you can't do it every night. Um, but it's not a bad idea if you have access, get it done every few years. So you know that physiologically the, the sleep is fine. Um, but the second best alternative for us is um, yeah, one of those the wearable devices. Um, only caution I have that don't really let those numbers control you. I have seen people obsessively go like, oh, I'm at 80%. I must hit 90. That mm -hmm. once again drive you through a rabbit hole of stress and anxiety. And that will keep you, because if you try to sleep too hard, you are not going to get the sleep. You will stay there thinking, oh, how, how, why can't I sleep? How can I sleep better? Uh, so don't get obsessed yeah. about the data aspect of things. But uh, I think accuracy has gone up. There are a few publications I've seen in the sleep uh, and JCSM solid numbers, but some are um, funded by some of those device companies. So you all know how it goes down, but there are some good independent studies as well. Uh, so I do think it's it's a good alternative now. Just to add to that, I, I use an app called Sleep Cycle um, on my phone, which records, uses the microphone on your phone to record you all night and you need to have it plugged in. And then based on that, it sort of it listens for you for sound and chunks it up and maps it out on a graph. Um, so you can actually look through it and oh, here, here's where you're snoring or here's when you're moving around. Um, it records like uh, the light in the room and all that sort of thing. So I've been using that um, to, to get more insight about myself. But as Ashen said, I think the goal here is never that you're going to have a perfect night, night after night after night. And if it's not like a streak, and I don't think you can guarantee it, in my experience, I think you need to accept it's going to fluctuate. Some nights are going to be great. Some nights are going to be awesome. Some nights are going to be not so good. Some nights the kids are going to wake up early. So there's always going to be variables. So I think my I think a healthy attitude to have is not to aim for a gold standard sleep and feel disappointed in yourself if you can't achieve it. I think that it does fluctuate. You control as best as you can, but you can't control everything. I know. Would you agree or disagree, Ashen? No, no, I definitely agree. Um, and I think the with this, I think microphone use is good good to measure. But I think ideally, the best wearable mm -hmm. device would be one that incorporates light, sound, um, movement, and heart rate. I'm not sure whether it exists, but I think closest one would be if at least one combined multiples. But yeah, I think it's a good way to get the get the, get that data out. What would we be recommending for shift workers? You know, those people in our society who have to do work overnight. And we did talk about circadian rhythms before. Obviously, that would be highly interrupted. Uh, what would your recommendation there be? Um, unfortunately, OG shift workers will always have some level of fat, like a residual fatigue if you keep cycling between different uh, sleep patterns. Uh, human body loves nothing more than regularity and routine. So it's fairly, it's mm -hmm. not a spontaneous thing. Human Humans, with the evolution, you your whole routine was around the sun. When sun goes up, you come out. Uh, when sun goes down, you just go back and relax and rest and try to be safe. Um, so for uh, shift workers, one thing I think you can do if you're on permanent nights or afternoons, don't shift back to a normal uh, routine on the weekend or when you're not working. So 
for an example, if you start work at three and finish at like after midnight, so you go to sleep quite late during the those times, don't go to a normal routine of waking up at 7 a.m. on the days you don't work. So stay in a in a in a route in a pattern that's in between the normal one and your shift work. So so if you do that, the change in your body clock would be about a couple of hours rather than full six or twelve hour changes to your body. That shift is incredibly. Uh, it takes a lot of toll on your body. So I do recommend to stay in between a normal, I guess, daytime uh, person's routine and their current. Uh, shift work. Um, the other thing could be the uh, exposure to sun. Uh, whenever possible, when you wake up, just try to get exposed to the sunlight in the morning. Um, and if you do want, if you are one of those permanent night shift people, ideally block the sunlight when you go home, wear goggles or something to completely block out the um, blue light coming from the sun. Um, and that will help you to fall asleep quickly. Uh, and stay asleep as well. Um, but unfortunately, there will be some res residual sleepiness which you won't be able to get rid of. Awesome. Good advice there, Ashen. And um, just before we finish up, Alex, you do a podcast with Ashen. Did you want to talk about that just before we uh, say goodbye? Sure. So we've got a, we've got a, a YouTube channel uh, and podcast called Snooze Strategist. Uh, new strategist we set this up about six months ago and uh, basically he you've had a little bit of a teaser here of Ashton and his background and um, we take uh, this approach towards understanding the science of sleep but also understanding how we can practically apply it to daily lifestyle particularly for individuals like uh, entrepreneurs uh, people that are, are in corporate those that are trying to achieve a lot in life that need um, to maximize the energy they can get each day and, and sleep is is critical to achieving that energy so um you know the way we say it is that it's about uh, managing your night to master your day um so our channel is new strategist we'll give you the link og if you can share out but uh we'd love for other people to check it out we've got a slow growing sort of pool of individuals and we'd love to also hear um other people's challenges and uh, more recently, we've been looking into energy drinks, and that's been a wonderful scientific foray into um, active ingredients and what's what to what to look out for, but also how do they actually work? How do they help or hinder when it comes to energy management? Um, so, yeah, please check that out. All right, so I'll put the link un under this video and on the podcast link as well so if, uh, all the listeners and viewers out there feel free to check it out and contact the guys if you have any anything to provide feedback or ask questions about so alex and ashen thank you very much for joining me today thanks for having us og thanks for listening to the show you can check out the Brains Matter website at www.brainsmatter.com as you can find all the other episodes of the show there. There's also other information on the site such as guests who've been on the show and subscription details. You can also find Brains Matter on YouTube, so make sure you like and subscribe if you're a YouTube listener.
If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash brainsmatter and signing up to one of the options there. Or you can donate either once off or regularly via PayPal. All you need to do is click on one of the PayPal donation options on the right hand side of the website. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can leave an entry on this episode's show notes on the webpage or on YouTube, or you can send me an email. All my contact information can be found on the Brains Matter website. The theme music Soul of the Machine was composed and performed by Clive Weeks and is used with his permission. I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye for now.